Welcome to The Joy Report, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about climate solutions and environmental justice grounded in intersectionality and optimism. Tune in to hear updates on all things climate, social, and environmental justice explained in a succinct and accessible way by me, Arielle King, an environmental justice advocate and attorney passionate about environmental education. In this episode, we're discussing inclusion and accessibility in outdoor spaces, whichever form they take. Malcolm X once said, revolution is based on land. Land is the basis of all independence. Land is the basis of freedom, justice, and equality. For millennia, human beings have thrived by connecting with nature in ways that feel right for them. With the rise of industrialization and globalization, the relationship between humanity and the outdoors was fissured in a very intentional way. According to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, on average, Americans spend 87% of their time inside buildings and 6% of their lives in automobiles. Nature is for everyone, and as people, it's our duty to protect our collective home and maintain its accessibility to all. Human symbiotic relationship with nature has lasted for millennia. If it were any other way, we wouldn't be here. With everything going on in our world over the last few weeks, spending time outdoors is probably one of the most nurturing and restorative privileges that we can tap into right now. We all deserve the appropriate time to rest and process all that we're seeing in the news and scrolling past on our feeds. We have every right to be angry, but our energy can't stop there. Advocacy is a mindset. Remaining optimistic amidst calamity is a choice. As Sherry Mitchell wrote in her book, Sacred Instructions, Indigenous Wisdom for Living Spirit-Based Change, Thankfully, even in the darkest night, we can anticipate the coming of a new dawn. What we are seeing now is only part of the story. In order to see the larger picture, we must once again expand our vision. We must be willing to step back and look at the long view of conscious evolution. When we do, we begin to realize what appears to be a time of darkness, descent, and destruction is a time of new birth. In the midst of chaos, we can ground ourselves and expand our perspectives around what a liberated and equitable future might look like if we take time to unplug and step outside. Nature is nurturing. Spending time outside has countless benefits, from increased endorphins to reduced irritability and lowered blood pressure. Being outdoors has also been found to keep stress and feelings of loneliness at bay. It's no wonder so many of us spent time outside the house in whatever way we could access the outdoors during the COVID-19 lockdowns when the pandemic was at its peak. And let's rewind a bit here, though. Because almost three quarters of people who spent time participating in traditional outdoor activities in 2020 were white. Are we surprised? Most recreational and preserved outdoor areas historically exclude Black, Indigenous, and other non-white communities. In 2020, it was found that low-income communities and non-white communities have a higher chance of living in areas that are nature-deprived, with little to no access to parks, paths, and green spaces. 
the historical legacy of structural and systemic racism uphold a huge disparity in access to safe, healthy outdoor spaces for many people of color. A 2020 study commissioned by the Hispanic Access Foundation and the Center for American Progress found that the United States has fewer forests, streams, wetlands, and other natural places near communities that are predominantly Black, Latino, and Asian American. And in another report released that year, the Outdoor Foundation explains that adults who are not exposed to outdoor recreation as children are far less likely to participate as adults. Redlining, forced migration, and economic segregation are just a few of the ways environmental racism has been institutionalized to further disconnect BIPOC communities across the U.S. from access to clean, healthy outdoor areas. Until the mid-20th century, many state and national parks posted signs that read, For Whites Only. Not to mention the vast majority of beaches and public swimming areas such as pools and creeks and lakes expanded the gap in accessing nature for recreation and joy. The legacy of these policies and the subsequent status quo has left long-standing reverberations in communities of color. Inevitably, mainstream environmentalism has traditionally excluded people of color from leadership or any involvement in the movement to preserve our planet. In many cases, the ways in which excluded groups of color view, understand, and practice connectedness with the Earth can differ from the standard practices being taken today. By listening to communities of color and supporting them in leading the fight to preserve our planet, we can shape more holistic ways of protecting the planet, while advocating for the needs and perspectives of the most impacted by the climate crisis. Scientists are urging policymakers to protect at least 30% of U.S. lands and ocean areas by the year 2030 to address the climate crisis. And let's pause on that for a moment. These pushes to preserve natural areas generally fail to mention preserving access to these landscapes for all people. In pushing for conservation policy, we must make sure that these policies ensure equitable access for nature for all people, regardless of their race, ability, socioeconomic status, or proximity to what we consider traditional outdoor recreational spaces. Unfortunately, when marginalized people do spend time outdoors, discrimination, violence, and intimidation are constant threats to their peace and joy. Those who spend time participating in outdoor activities risk being targeted, stereotyped, or even harmed for enjoying nature or trying to protect it. Thankfully, there are many people and organizations working tirelessly to change this narrative and reclaim our rightful place within a safe and accessible outdoor environment. For this episode of The Joy Report, we're spotlighting dynamic individuals who have dedicated their careers to making the outdoors accessible for all so we can restore and heal our relationships with nature and nurture ourselves by being in nature. Throughout history, pioneers of all races, ages, and abilities have achieved tremendous feats in the outdoors. In 1990, Bill Irwin hiked the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine over the course of eight months. He was the first blind person to complete this hike. Betty Reed Soskin is the nation's oldest park ranger. 
She retired at the age of 100 back in March of this year after leading public programs at the Rosie the Riveter World War II Homefront National Historic Park in Richmond, California. Evelyn Escobar, who founded the California-based organization Hike Club, recently explained in a New York Times interview that there are so many people around the country who just want to feel a sense of belonging and be able to tap into the healing energy of a collective space outside. This sentiment has been seen and felt over the last few years as we've watched the emergence and expansion of organizations with the common intention of making the outdoors more inclusive, diverse, and accessible. Let's take Jalen Go, for example. They created Native Women's Wilderness, an organization aiming to elevate indigenous perspectives in the outdoor industry by sharing stories and learning from one another through exploration and celebration of the wilderness and their native lands. Siren Nagakiri's organization, Disabled Hikers, advocates for autonomy and representation for the disability community in the outdoor industry. The organization has developed a series of trail guides and a rating system to help disabled hikers anticipate what they'll encounter before they begin hiking. Or the founder of Color Outside, Nyla Blades Wiley, her organization helps women of color harness the power of the outdoors to create the joy-filled, balanced lives they crave through coaching, workshops, and one-of-a-kind retreats. Or what about Harun Mota and their organization, Muslim Hikers? They support Muslim people finding joy in the outdoors. Or Pinar Sinopolis Lloyd, the co-founder of Queer Nature, a trans-run nature-based naturalist education project serving mostly LGBTQ2 people. Some people used the unrest and uncertainty of 2020 to propel deeper commitments to ensuring the outdoors are inclusive, diverse, and accessible. Like Kai Leitner, a professional rock climber who in 2020 launched Climbing for Change, an organization that provides role models and funding assistance to young climbers with the goal of contributing to greater representation in all parts of the climbing and outdoor industries. Or take Teresa, for example. You know, I worked in real estate for 21 years. Um, I left in 2020 when I just got completely fed up. I was like, here I am making millions for someone else who have shown over the years that they don't give a crap about the environment. So it was time for me <clears throat> to leave and to embrace this work full time. But it was just a path that I chose to take because I felt there was an element missing when it came to inclusion in the outdoors and not enough people were fighting for it. And what gap exactly is she talking about? You know, it wasn't until I was an adult that I started to look around me and notice that no one looked like me. You know, it was me. I would go to Yosemite and I spent you know, a week in Yosemite Valley. I tell this story often. And in that entire week, I didn't see anyone that looked like me. And I was like, what the heck is going on? You know, and I reached out to the National Park Service and I said, hey, I think you guys have, you know, a diversity problem. And they said, yeah, we know. Help us fix it. That gap. So 
I said to myself, this is it for me. This is what I want my legacy to be, my commitment to planet, working to make sure that people from underrepresented communities have these opportunities to be out in nature and to be seen and to be acknowledged for their love and their responsibility to the planet. Because all too often, as we know, our faces aren't the ones that we see or we used to see. It's getting better. But, you know, 10 years ago, I would never see me in any type of marketing campaign around the protection of the environment or being someone in the outdoors. You're listening to the voice of one of Intersectional Environmentalist's first council members, Teresa Baker. Teresa Baker, better known as Outdoor Industry Troublemaker, of which I am proud. Um, I am the founder of the In Solidarity Project, co-founder of The Oath, along with Jose Gonzalez and Patty Gonya. I am in community with all these organizations like IE, all of these communities I am in community and in partnership with. The In Solidarity Project's goal is to reimagine the outdoor industry in a more inclusive and accessible way by providing communities across the United States with opportunities to participate in outdoor events that speak to culture, heritage, and lifestyle. To ensure accountability, the In Solidarity Project has developed the Outdoor CEO Diversity Pledge. We need to be inclusive in everything we do all the time. That means in our hiring practices, <clears throat> if you have 100 applications in front of you and none of those applications are from people of, uh, from underrepresented communities, you have to make sure that you're reaching out to make these communities aware that you're hiring for this position. You have to be intentional in who you reach out to and how you get your messages out around hiring. When, when we have these campaigns, these outdoor campaigns, and you look around and all your ambassadors are white and male or white and female, that's a problem. You have to consciously go out there and make sure people of color, people from the LGBTQ community, people from all walks of life are included. This pledge helps connect leading outdoor brands with inclusion advocates to advance representation for people of color across the industry, with a focus on building relationships of support, empathy, and understanding, instead of external skepticism and internal stress, to move the outdoor industry closer to authentic inclusion. But people in these C-suite positions, please know you don't have to do this work alone. We're here to help. And what we as a community need to do <clears throat> is stop calling people out when they're trying. If they are trying, let people try. To make a mistake is human. Build from that mistake. Don't sit on the sidelines judging people because they're trying. Teresa comes to this space with a wealth of knowledge, compassion, gratitude, and honor. She recognizes the role her identity has played in her current work. You know, I, I grew up in Richmond, California, home of um, 
you know, a lot of outdoor spaces that some people recognize, like Rosie the Riveter, you know, and the amazing hundred-year-old ranger, Betty. So that's where I grew up. And there was all these amazing outdoor spaces all around me. But I also grew up in a family where I was the only girl. I have eight brothers. So it was, I'll be damned if I'm outdone by anyone. My dad would always tell me, you ain't special because you're the only girl. You're special because you're my daughter, but don't expect the world to bend over to welcome you and to invite you just because you're a girl. So that said to me, what that's what that said to me is damn that I'm gonna be competitive. If the boys are out there playing football, I'm gonna be out there playing football. If the boys are going hiking, I'm going hiking. Whatever it is they were doing, I was hell bent on outdoing them. I don't know why, because they're not competitive at all. But for me, it was like. I can't see, I can't have people look at me and be like, she's the only girl. She's a pushover. I couldn't do it. So I think that is what made me who I am today. The competitiveness that's in me is just because I grew up in an environment where I wasn't treated differently because I was a girl. I had to do no matter what. So I, I think that has a lot to do with it. She attributes much of her work and existence in this space to the legacy created by other Black environmentalists throughout history. People like um, Audrey and Frank Peterman, I knew about and I knew the work that they were doing. And, you know, I always acknowledge who they are and what they do because they laid the footprint for me along with people like Harriet Tubman, who people don't really understand use the land to navigate. A woman with no type of education outside of what she had was able to do amazing things based on her knowledge of the land. So that's amazing to me that people don't acknowledge that and they don't see that as something to be applauded Teresa and every other leader spotlighted in this episode represent a small portion of the growing network of folks creating space for marginalized people to comfortably explore the outdoors and reshape narratives associated with what nature means and what it's supposed to look like. People of color and other marginalized communities have always been involved in environmental work, and we deserve to continue to do so safely, equitably, and without fear. At this point, you might be wondering, what can I do to help make the outdoors more inclusive and accessible? I would say support the work 365 days out of the year. You know, just because it's Pride Month, don't talk about the LGBTQ community. Just because it's February, don't talk about Black History Month. Talk about these important measures when it's not cool to do, when everybody in America isn't doing it, you do it. Remember that nature is all around you. A lot of people want to define what 
being outdoors looks like or being in what being in nature looks like. But as kids, we were always outside having some type of experience running in the middle of the street and people yelling out car, car, you know, that was our outdoor experience. Understand the history of exclusion in the environmental movement that has brought us to this place. Environmental racism is deeply embedded in the way conservation efforts have developed throughout American history. Countless Black, Indigenous, and other people of color scholars have written about this history over the last few decades. Read their work. Support their initiatives. If we speak up and we demand better, look at how, look at what those workers at Starbucks did. They created a freaking union. A union. And it's happening all over the world now. People understand that there's power in their voice. We need to use that. We need to use our voice. We need to make sure that people hear us and see us. That's the only way change is gonna happen. Hold your elected officials accountable to ensure equitable green space for all people. Scientists estimate that every dollar spent on creating and maintaining park trails can save almost $3 in healthcare. There are now countless organizations committed to making the outdoors more equitable, safe, and accessible. Find one near you, share their information, engage with their content to broaden their reach, volunteer, and donate if you can. And finally, be the change you want to see. Or as Teresa would tell you. People often say, I don't know what I want to do in life. Do what, let your passion drive you. That will lead you to a direction. Because all too often we're like, oh, well, I'm scared to do that because there isn't already a path. You are the path. That's what we have to understand is that we are our own path if we just follow our passion. Christian Cooper will host a brand new series on National Geographic called Extraordinary Birder. You might recall back in 2020 when the video Christian recorded of the heated, racially charged encounter with a white woman in New York Central Park went viral. After a 13-year legal battle, Indigenous Ajik people of Western Kenya have finally been granted reparations and their sovereignty over the largest indigenous forest in the country, where the tribe had been evicted multiple times. President Biden has announced that he will invoke the Defense Production Act in response to recent energy crisis spurred by fossil fuels and the invasion of Ukraine. The act will spur additional domestic manufacturing of solar panels, increase the production of parts needed for clean energy technology, and create a two-year bridge to rapidly scale domestic renewable production. And Rue Mapp, the creator of Outdoor Afro, has a new book coming out this fall titled Nature Swagger, Stories and Visions of Black Joy in the Outdoors. So make sure you pre-order your copy today. And in the world of intersectional environmentalists, our next Earth Sessions is taking place on July 17th in LA. If you're unable to make it to this event, make sure you check out our Spotify playlist featuring local LA artists and follow our new events page at earthsessions.ie on Instagram so you can be the first to know about upcoming in-person events. As people fighting to protect people and planet, 
the IE team is disheartened and adamantly opposes the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade. We understand that reproductive justice is a critical part of environmental justice, and this current decision will have severe, adverse, and even deadly repercussions in low-income, Black, Indigenous, and other people of color communities across the United States. As such, we have been compiling a list of abortion access and reproductive justice resources that we will be sharing soon. The team at IE also wants to encourage you all to take care of yourselves in whatever way feels correct right now. There's a lot happening in our world, and maintaining our collective endurance to keep fighting for change is possible if we're all individually taking breaks and getting proper rest when we can. And as always, remember, fighting the climate crisis is a marathon, not a sprint. We need everyone to get involved in a way that feels right for them, now more than ever. If you've been enjoying listening to The Joy Report, please don't forget to leave us a review and rating on whichever platform you're listening to this episode right now. Tune in next episode where we'll be discussing energy justice. I'm your host, Arielle King, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Joy Report.